All right, before we get this podcast started, I just have to briefly mention that, yes, ASAP Rocky did get arrested once again in his career as a rapper, or at least notably. That's how life works in a way, you know. It's always like there's the good things and then there's the bad things. And whenever things are going too good, something bad is bound to drag you down. The good thing, obviously, him getting with Rihanna. Who could have seen that coming? And furthermore, getting Rihanna pregnant, which I'm sure was like one of the hardest things you could ever do as a man in this world. This convince Rihanna, hey, we should maybe have a kid together. You know, I know you haven't been in a long term relationship for a while because you're very picky about the man you want to be with you're like that girl you know your worth so you're not just gonna let any man get you pregnant and then she does and then her man gets arrested <laughs> which is kind of wild it's it's just wild that he got arrested especially because the news is coming out that apparently a member of the asap mob asap rally snitched on asap rocky because apparently asap rocky was shooting at him or something like that's what i read that's kind of wild if ASAP Rocky, which is out here shooting people, although I'm not too surprised of hearing news of him shooting at someone because he did shoot Rihanna's club up. <laughs> yeah, so that's just my little corny joke. But also, I just got to say I had another joke planned, which is the reason I even wanted to start this podcast off to talk about it is that do you guys remember the last time that ASAP Rocky got arrested? It was in Sweden. In 2019, President Donald Trump tweeted at ASAP Rocky or tweeted saying that they were gonna go get they were gonna get ASAP home ASAP, one of the wildest tweets of all time. But furthermore, what happened a year after he got arrested? That's right, the whole world went to shit. So I'm kind of scared of what's gonna happen 2023 because if we go by history, every time ASAP Rocky gets arrested, some huge fucking pandemic you know blows up so hopefully like COVID 20 doesn't come out next year hello everybody welcome back to the empty opinions podcast i'm your salari polanco this is episode 171 of the empty opinions podcast i just said the name of the podcast i don't know why i decided to repeat it once again and, you know, this is yet another solo episode. And what I'm starting to realize is that I actually really like these solo episodes. If not because I hate booking people, man. That shit is tough. Like, that kind of burned me. Like, the last guest that was supposed to show up for the last episode never showed up, never responded. You know, complete ghost. And that actually really bothered me to the point where I'm like, I'm not going to try to guess every week. I'm not going to try to get guests every week because this is too much stress that I'm putting on myself. And oftentimes I like doing these solo episodes and they tend to be good and I have full control over it. Right. I don't have to stress about somebody not showing up to do the fucking podcast. And also, I guess it can make the guests that I do choose to be that much more special or like purposeful, if that makes sense, because it's not like. I feel like I have to get a guest and then I just end up getting anybody on for the next episode. And furthermore, I just like the reception or the feel of me just doing the podcast alone. It actually feels like stable for once in my life doing this podcast in terms of I know what I'm doing and it's something that people can watch and it's something that can grow and it's not unpredictable, right? Because when you get guests every week, you don't know who the guest is going to be every week and you don't know if you're going to like the guest. You don't know if the episode is going to turn out good or not. I personally like that because it makes my job or my hobby 
or my career more exciting. But in terms of the listener, it can get kind of dodgy. And maybe that's why I haven't been able to build like a, a solid fan base over 171 episodes of this podcast because, you know, it's a brand new experience every time. And I even remember like trying to sell that to people. That's hard, right? Selling just I can get any guests on at any time, any episode, right? So you never know what to expect. All I just tell people is just every week, at least as a good episode, whether it's about art, whether it's about music, whether it's about fucking movies, whether it's about fucking TV shows, whatever it is, whether it's about pop culture, it'll always be good. Whether it's about serious issues, it'll always be a great podcast episode. I feel like at this point, I mean, after you do something 171 times, you should probably be kind of good at it. So all that to say, this solo episode was very much intentional. And honestly, I'm starting to like the idea of these solo episodes. I don't hate it. It feels it feels fine now. Like before I would just be like, oh, man, I'm doing a solo episode. I know you guys don't like that. But now I just kind of don't give a fuck about that. It is what it is. I'll do a solo episode. And also last week I did this new thing on the YouTube channel where I was posting clips. It's not brand new. I used to do it a lot. Then I kind of stopped. And now I'm kind of want to do it. In, I want to do it again because I don't know. I guess it can get my podcast exposed even more. But yeah, this solo episode is intentional and you can expect a lot more solo episodes. But then you can expect guests. You know, it just depends of how things work out. Like, I'm not going to try to force guests every week or like no guests every week. It's like I'm going to try to get the guests that I want. And however long it takes to get them on a podcast, that's how long it takes. And meanwhile, I could just do solo episodes and have fun doing them. Right. So that's why this is yet another solo episode. Um, but before we get started, I got two things. I'm going to do the housekeeping like briefly after I tell this. But I just want to give a personal life update. And, you know, it's only right that I'll let you guys know about this because I've been talking about this shit ever since it started. Like, I, 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 I treat like personal things in my life, like storylines, especially when it comes to the podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I just treat it like I got to let you guys know there's the latest update. New chapter of the book just dropped. DLC just dropped on Ladio's Love Life. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing right now. Just a little personal life update. I'm going to queue up the the, 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 the the applause sound effect. Guys, you're not going to believe this, but I finally blocked her. That's right. That's right. Thank you guys so much. For, I appreciate the support. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, I'm going to give a brief, you know, summary of things. This is girl that I've been kind of messing with, but not really, not really messing with. It's just like, it's been a very like weird, like, oh, I don't even know how to describe it, to be honest. It's one of those things where like, she clearly seemed like she was interested, but then she would pull back and pull in and pull back. And it became sort of this really toxic, like back and forth thing, like subliminal, like there would be, I don't know. It, it, it was a mind fuck of a thing. Um, it culminated with, me finally confronting her being like yo do you you know like me or not right and then she was like nah but then right after that she tweeted something that was like a basically just to let me know she was fucking with me like yeah i told you i don't like you but also we're pretty much the same person and i've been saying that to you subliminally through twitter and now there's the confirmation of it 
And so that was kind of the moment that broke me. I think like, what was that? Like November? Like there was a solid week where I just couldn't really function. It was all foggy. I don't even really remember. If you want to hear more about this, it's an episode called Post Nutty Clarity on the podcast. I don't remember what episode it is, but you can hear more about that there. But ever since then, like that shit actually broke me to the point that I was just like, you know what? I'm not dealing with women for like the next year. I'm just going to chill, work on myself, work on a podcast, work on a brand and keep it at that. And, you know, I had muted her on all social media platforms. I was just like, I'm, I don't even want to see her. You know, I'm just going to, you know, try to avoid her because when I don't, shit feels chaotic in my life. And, you know, if you come from chaos in your childhood, then that chaos seems comfortable and you're going to seek it out whenever things are fine. But I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to mute her. I don't want to deal with that. That's not healthy. Until a couple of days ago where I said, you know, it just got the best of me. I was feeling weird. I saw her account and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to unmute her. I'm going to read. I'm going to see her shit. I'm going to read her tweets, this, that, whatever. Right. And it's so funny, man. Like I learned so much from this experience because for one, that was definitely like self-sabotage. It was just like. Fuck it, I'm done trying to act healthy. I'm not healthy. I'm gonna watch this shit and feel bad about it, right? That's you know, my subconscious like screaming like tap into your fucking urges, man. Let 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 yourself be toxic. Let yourself be involved in a chaos. Um and so I did it, and I was just like, also, I'm trying to stay off social media. So the way I rationalized it in my head, I was just like, you know, I'll just I, you know, I'll just be off social media. So it doesn't matter if she's muted or not. And yeah, so that happened. And here's what's so funny about this. Like, I didn't last like three hours after unmuted her, unmuting her after what? Like four months, five months of like having her muted and like not seeing anything from her. I unmute her once on, on the social medias. And I have the worst anxiety I've ever felt. Well, the worst anxiety I felt in a in a very long time. Let's just say that it was so bad, and I was just like, "Okay, this is crazy. I can't like the fact that I can just unmute someone, and then they don't even do anything. It's not like she texted me or like did something to try to get my attention. You know, toxic people try to do that. They try to remind you that they exist, and it's like, oh, you're not this or that, whatever." She didn't do anything. All I, all I did was unmute her and like see her and like acknowledge her presence. And it gave me the worst anxiety ever. And now it's just like. That was what made me realize, OK, I have to block her now. Like there, there's no way because, I, you know, the reason I didn't really want to block her, even though I should have a long time ago, is because, you know, I was just like, I don't that that's a very, you know, that's bad blood. If you do that, when you block somebody. It's like, oh, you blocked them. Like, you don't want to see them. There's a very strongly negative and confrontational connotation that comes with that. And I didn't want that. I wanted things to be all peachy and shit. But unmute her made me realize that, like, that's just not possible. Or the idea of, like, everything is going to be good. It's just not possible. At least not for now. Because what I realized is that I still haven't really healed from... The hurt that she caused me, man. It's like, that sounds sad to say, but it was really like, 
I don't know. It was like she really emotionally touched a nerve or like, I don't know what the fuck she did or what happened, but there was something from what she did that actually hurt me like emotionally harder than I realized, especially when I unmuted her. And I'm like, this anxiety came over me. And then, you know, you look inward and you think, why am I so anxious? And then I realized, dog, it's like, I was hurt so bad emotionally that unmuting her and like seeing her as a presence on the internet, like not ignoring, like looking at it gave me that anxiety because it was your, my body telling me she could hurt you like that again. And we can't let that shit happen. That's crazy. Out. That's really what anxiety is at the end of the day. It's just, you know, your body trying to prevent you from get, getting hurt either physically or emotionally. And in this case, it was emotionally and like my body was really like yelling at me through anxiety, like, you know, red alert, red alert. Do not. Th this is dangerous. She might hurt you again the same way. And we can't let that happen. So when I thought about it in those terms, I, I, I was just like, damn. Yeah, I, I literally cannot. I, there's nothing I can do at this point. Like I tried, I tried muting her. Right. And you know, I guess that worked for a while, but it didn't really like, it almost like me not, I think me blocking her is going to be the beginning of the getting over her part of all this. Like, I don't think I would be able to get over her if I didn't block her because there would always be that thing in the back of my head nagging. Like she could like any of your posts at any time. She could watch any of your stories. She could make her presence be known and fuck with you. And I think that was always in the back of my head. And I think that's why I haven't gotten over it. Even though it's been five months, that should be long enough, but it's because I didn't actually deal with it, you know? And so now blocking her feels like, like I feel safe, even though I still kind of feel a little anxious because now I'm just like, oh, what is, how is she going to react now that I blocked her? Like, what is she going to say? What is she going to do? Th that's all I'm thinking now. Like, I'm really like thinking like, how, I wonder how she took that. Did she took that? And you know, in my weird mind, I'm like, did she get really mad? Because I would love that. <laughs> I would. Okay. Whatever. I'm just saying that's kind of fucked up to say, but I like that. I'm just being honest. Like I would really love if she got like mad over it because it would mean I'm taking some control, you know, and that's what alleviates the anxiety too. It's just like knowing now that she can't really do anything to hurt me, at least not on social media, you know, and if she, I mean, I can't see it if she does. So yeah, it's, it, it was a very big thing for me to do. I've never really, I've never blocked anybody. Well, I, I have once. Yeah, like my the girl I used to talk to. Yeah, again, blocked her just because. Yeah, because I had to. I, I that's, that's what I'm starting to realize now. Like maybe that's just the way that I have to heal from. If any woman hurts me, like I just have to block them because it, it affords me the safe space to move on from it, as opposed to just like always being worried, that anxiety nagging in the back of your head, like. She could have come back at any time and like throw your whole life into a blunder, right? Um, so yeah, I finally blocked her. I'm gonna do another round of applause. And air horns. Fuck it, why not? 
because yeah like now i should be healing from this hopefully um and i guess the other thing but the one thing i, I was kind of worried about but i had to do was like blocking her from my from the empty the my empty opinions social media accounts right because it's like now i'm depriving her of my beautiful clips that i make and that's not fair to anybody you know who would want that 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 seems that seems unfair but unfortunately i am the brand and the brand is me so as much as i try to separate it it's really just me i'm doing all this shit. i'm trying to put a wall like six degrees of separation between me and the brand but <laughs> you know i'm the face and i do everything behind the scenes so it is what it is but yeah just wanted to give you guys a little update as to what's happening with my life um so yeah that's that that's all i guess part of the intro long as intro but now i want to get into the topics that i have written down um but before i get to that just a little housekeeping all you have to do is go to the empty opinions website emptyopinions.com and that's all that's all i want to promote that's where you can find literally everything happening in the empty opinions universe the empty opinions podcast empty pages our book club uh, uh the empty playlist you know where every sunday i curate nine or ten songs and i put them on a playlist and i think i have a pretty great taste in music so should definitely check it out what the fuck empty reactions there's like now clips that i'm doing you know there's a blog it's a lot of shit happening on the empty opinions universe you can catch it all in one place and that's a website so go check that out but all right let's actually start the podcast and talk about this topic that i find very interesting there's been so much back and forth in drama with this Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lane situation. Like, it's been two years. This was like in the summer of 2020 when this weird event happened at Kylie Jenner's house where gunshots went off and cops were called, but nobody ever really knew. To this day, nobody knows what the fuck happened in there. But all we know is the allegations that Tory Lane shot Megan Thee Stallion. And... Ever since that news came out, you're like, everybody was like, what? One of the weirdest like events probably in hip hop ever, where it's like Megan Thee Stallion, one of the biggest female rappers in the game. You got Tory Lanez, an artist who had been working for a very long time that had finally reached like a good level of fame. Like he finally broke out into the mainstream, I guess, especially after his uh, Chicks tape four. And then that happened. And so then now it's all, it all crumbles for Tory Lanez, right? It's all like, well, Tory Lanez shot Megan Thee Stallion. It's all over from, can't come back from that. But then the doubt gets thrown in that maybe Megan Thee Stallion was lying or maybe Megan Thee Stallion doesn't know him. They're just blaming Tory Lanez because now Tory Lanez is coming out and saying that it wasn't him. It was the best friend or she never saw who shot him. And it became one of those things where, like, it became the... First of all, the first thing that happened, you couldn't listen to Tory Lanez's music anymore. It was canceled. It would be like listening to fucking R. Kelly music. Not that strongly, but kind of a similar sentiment. Where it's like, you're listening to Tory Lanez after he shot Megan Thee Stallion? Right? Like, immediately, that's just like, oh, I don't know. I feel weird even listening to him. It's like how people feel about Travis Scott's music now. And that was the first thing that happened. But then again, then it became a fight where like 
diehard Tory Lanez fans and like diehard Megan Thee Stallion fans are like at war with each other. Tory didn't do it. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. And it became a whole thing, right? And unfortunately, this sucks for Tory Lanez and it sucks for me because I like Tory Lanez music. A lot of the people that were defending Tory Lanez were just kind of misogynistic. Like those type of like alpha males, like, you know who I'm talking about. The podcasters that nobody wants to be like uh, Fresh and Fit. That's their name. So like Fresh and Fit type guys were supporting Tory Lanez. And so it made it hard for me to like defend Tory Lanez because in my heart of hearts, I'm just like, we don't know. You know, it's all hearsay. It's Megan Thee Stallion's word versus Story Lane's word. And no video has come out. So nobody knows anything. And so, you know, this was a whole thing. It's lasted two years until now. And it kind of died down. But now it's coming back up because they're in court. And apparently there's evidence, supposedly, maybe, that proves that Tory Lanez didn't actually shoot Megan Thee Stallion. And then... What does that mean for Megan Thee Stallion? Is she going to have to apologize? She has a documentary coming out, possibly to paint her in a good light after the verdict comes out. There's a fucking, you know, Drake and, and Rihanna on following Megan Thee Stallion. Just weird, wild shit happening that is now kind of turning the tide and possibly proving that Tory Lanez didn't actually shoot Megan Thee Stallion. And then Tory Lanez is getting cocky on Twitter He's like tweeting at Megan the Stallion and Megan the Stallion's responding and Megan the Stallion's boyfriend is coming in out of nowhere. He has to defend his girl, but it was just like, okay, bro. <laughs> and then, oh, this is also very important. Megan the Stallion's boyfriend is very tall. And Tory Lanez is not tall. That's just worth mentioning because it all goes to my overall point that I'm gonna illustrate over more, even more with the new Megan the Stallion song that came out, Plan B. And that is that Megan the Stallion isn't really over Toy Lanes. You know? Uh <laughs> like you know, let's just preface this and say I think it's a very toxic thing that they're both doing. Where I think if this is what I believe happened with this situation. Toy Lane shot. But he didn't shoot specifically at Megan the Stallion. The shot just hit her foot. So it wasn't purposeful, but it was after an argument. Supposedly Megan the Stallion caught Toy Lane's cheating. Whatever. I think they liked each other. They were messing with each other. That's pretty safe to assume. Um, and then this kind of rift happened where like in this the industry got in the middle of it because they're trying to protect Megan the Stallion, you know, from anything. Because the, the, Megan Thee Stallion is one of those artists that is being pushed very hard on the industry. And unfortunately, Tory Lanez was the one that's going to get the blame. Just had to be. It wasn't going to be Megan. So, you know, Tory, I guess, was the safest bet. And I think all this drama got in the middle of this, like, toxic, tragic love story between Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion. That I think it's so fucking fascinating because you do realize... They still have feelings for each other. They do. I think they do. And I think this is, goes with my theory that like hate is just another side of love. It's basically the same shit. Like hate only comes from deep love of someone and just being hurt. And then like that love getting flipped. But that love still exists. Right? And nowhere is it more clear 
Then with this new song that Megan Thee Stallion just dropped, like, I'm actually going to play the song because, <laughs> like, the lyrics of this are so direct and angry that I think it does prove this idea or this theory that I have that, yeah, I think she's hurt. I think he's hurt. And one of the things I actually found very fascinating when all this shit was going down and I think this was 2020, Tory Lanez dropped an album, like when he first was addressing a lot of this shit. In one of the songs, there was multiple songs that was just like him trying to serenade Megan the Stallion. I'm like, what the fuck is Tory doing? And that was the thing nobody mentioned because everybody was so caught up in oh shit, he's saying he didn't do it. Like, what's going on? Trying to put the pieces together in this weird-ass puzzle. But I vividly remember listening to those love songs like, why is he serenading Megan Thee Stallion? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, But now it does make sense because at the core of this, again, is a tragic love story. <laughs> that's, just funny that's just such a funny thing to say. But it is. It is. I think that's what lies in the middle of, of all of this. And finally, Megan Thee Stallion has really, like, truly responded with a song. Like, she did that at the beginning of her, like, her first song on her last album. Like, Shots Fired or something. Um, She kind of addressed a lot of the uh, everything happening with the case. But now this is, like, directly dissing Tory Lanez. Which... That in and of itself proves my point that the, I think that shows there's still some feelings because if you didn't care, you want to make a whole fucking song dissing Tory Lanez, you know, especially in the tone that she does. It. I mean, let's just listen to the song. Let's just listen to the song. This song is fucking wild. Who the fuck you think you talking to, nigga? Fuck me, nah, nigga. Fuck you, nigga. <laughs> Damn, fuck, nigga. Still can't believe I used to fuck with you. I've been playing bees because I ain't playing to be stuck with you. See, already, she's just being the most disrespectful. <laughs> just being so fucking disrespectful with the song already. It's called, called, it's called playing B because she's basically telling him, yo, I never wanted to get pregnant by you. I was sick of playing bees and you didn't even know. That's how much I didn't like you. That's actually the most insulting thing you can say to a man, I think. That's fucking... <laughs> that's fucked up to say that. Uh, <laughs> Damn, I see you still kicking with them odd bitches. I'm the only reason that your goofy ass got bitches. Okay, so again, I'm operating under the assumption, the pretty safe assumption that she's talking about Tory Lanez. I mean, I don't know if that's factual or not. I don't know if Tory Lanez wasn't getting women before he was with... Megan Thee Stallion but I can kind of believe that I mean a lot of guys go through that where like there's a one beautiful woman or like sought after woman that gets with a certain guy and now a lot of women want that guy because of the, those optics I think that happens all the time so I wouldn't be surprised if that's true but that's just again such a such a like like a <laughs> such a better thing to say I think in my opinion but it's also empowering too Okay, I don't I'm not gonna listen to the whole song. Because every line could be it, and actually I'm gonna I'm gonna go through just the lyrics. Actually, I don't even need to go through more of the song at all. I mean that already shows you what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm not gonna go over any more lyrics. I was literally just giving it like a rundown, and I mean almost every lyric can relate directly to Tory Lanez and I just don't feel like going ever over every single lyric because it could get redundant but the overall point is 
these two love each other still. And I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in the future, like five years from now, they get together. I would not be surprised because the, the love is still there, you know? And I bet you Megan Thee Stallion feels like goofy because she likes somebody as short as Tori Lanez. <laughs> but that's inevitable, man. Us short guys, for whatever reason, tall women like us. I don't know what to say. I'm including myself in there because I've experienced this. It's true. It's a fact. I don't know why. It just is. So, you know, I would say I can understand why Megan Thee Stallion is just like, bro, you're short. Why the fuck did I ever even love you? Right? I can get that frustration. But, you know, you can't escape from what you love. <laughs> also, the song is great. The song is actually pretty good. It has, it's not like a song that I will re listen to all the time, but I think it has this weird, like, it honestly sounds like, I don't know what the sample is. Okay, yeah, Freaking You by Jodeci. That makes sense. But the, the way it sounds, like, this is what Tupac would sound like if she was a woman in the 2010s or 2020s like she has that cadence and the beat reminded me of that she sounded so fucking aggressive at times when i was just like damn like imagine like any woman saying half of the shit that megan the Stallion is saying here is wild and that's kind of why megan the Stallion is as big as she is i think because she's like a woman like talk about like a strong independent woman like she's that like she'll tell you i'm taking plant b's because i don't want you kids like that's <laughs> And, and, you know, I think that's just empowering for any woman to see that. Like, they're like, yeah, I wish I could say that to my ex, you know? And I think there's a certain wish fulfillment that she embodies with her music. The same way a lot of these rappers do. But yeah, I just wanted to ultimately talk about this tragic love story that just keeps on giving. <laughs> like, this shit just keeps on going and going. Tori Lanez tweets at her. Megan Thee Stallion replies with a song that is deeply, deeply hurtful. But if I was Tory Lanez, I don't know if this is toxic thinking, I would just be like, damn, she still like she still loves me. Because it's hate and that hate can be taken as love. That's some toxic shit. But I think there is actually some truth to that. All right. Now, let's move on to the biggest news story of the past week. And that's that Kendrick Lamar is back. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, after five fucking years of waiting for Kendrick Lamar to drop. He has finally decided to drop and it actually makes sense. Not only does it make sense, I kind of predicted it. Like my spider senses were tingling because the last podcast episode I did, I, I briefly mentioned that Kendrick should be dropping at some point, basically because it's April and I know damn came out on April. And so I was just like, okay, this has to be around a corner. If it wasn't going to be last year, then it has to be this year. And sure as hell. That's right, and here's a statement that Kendrick Lamar dropped from the desk of OK Llama for immediate release. Los Angeles, California, April 18, 2022. The following statement was released today by OK Llama through his company, PG Land, at 11 a.m. Pacific time in Los Angeles, California. Album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Date, May 13th, 2022. And then he ends it with, all factual information for this release will come directly from this source only which is a surefire way to make sure that no leaks come out or that there's no bullshit surrounding this album. Appreciate your patience, he puts it. And yes, Kendrick Lamar is back, is back, everybody. And look, I've been kind of slandering Kendrick Lamar for the past couple of years because he's been taking so long to drop. He's such a revered artist. And people, the appetite for his music remains intact. 
Like, how many artists can actually take a five-year hiatus and come back and be just as hyped as when they left, if not more? That's actually very impressive, right? Because, you know, a typical artist, you'll be like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, I lost, you know, I don't I don't care no more. Something kind of similar to that is happening with Atlanta, where, like, Atlanta's back, and people loved Atlanta, what, what was that, 2018? Whenever the season two came out? Now season three is here and people are just like, ah, I kind of lost interest. That's typically what happens when somebody's going for a long time. People don't stick around and wait, especially not in this society. But I guess Kendrick Lamar is just so grandfathered in that now it's just like, he can take 10 years and we'll still be anticipating his album. So yeah, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I, I guess, I don't know what to really expect from this album. Here's going to be my guesses though. I think there's going to be two for sure features. And I think those are going to be Baby Keem and Tana Leone, which is the latest, the recently signed uh, PG Land artist, which is obviously Kendrick Lamar's uh, label. Um, I think those two are for sure only because he wants to promote his fucking, you know, if you have a label, you want to include the artists that are in your, in your fucking label, especially if you're just starting your label. But man, that's going to be such a big fucking look for Tana Leone. Somebody whose music has been kind of underwhelming for a lot of people, but I've actually been enjoying it because it's more of a vibe. It's not supposed to be fucking lyrical miracle. It's supposed to be just cool trap music. And that's what he's doing. Like almost like that swag comes through in his music. And I think for that, I really like it, but man, he's going to get such a big look from this album, man. If he is in it, which I believe he's going to be in it. What is it going to be about? I don't fucking know. And that's actually so exciting because I was thinking, you know, now because this album was coming out soon, a lot of people have been doing reactions to Kendrick Lamar's last album, Damn, and doing retrospectives and like going back and visiting it and the same thing I have been doing and listening to Damn, I was just like, wow, it actually makes me very excited for this album, even though I was just like, Previously, kind of to troll, I was just like, who cares about Kendrick's coming back? You know what I mean? Do we? I wish sure Kendrick Lamar is that good of an artist. Just throwing that question out just to fuck with people. But listening to Damn, I was just like, damn, he is that good of an artist. And just, like, how is he going to do this album? I think that mystery is so interesting because every single album that he has done has been so different to the other ones, right? Like, Section 80 is very different from... Good Kid Mad City, Good Kid My City is very different from To Bimba Butterfly. To Bimba Butterfly is very different from Damn. Like, he switches it up so wildly from within releases that, like, just the idea of trying to think of what this album is going to sound like, it's just exciting because you know it's going to be out of fucking left field. Here's some predictions. Drill music. I don't know why when I saw the name Big Steppers... I was just like, that's something that 22G is a drill artist from New York. He uses that phrase a lot. That's a, that's a phrase commonly used with any rappers nowadays. But I, for whatever reason, I connected more strongly to drill. So that's just a wild guess. Number one, there's, there will be uh, uh, drill music in his album. Imagine Kendrick on a drill beat. That's already such a, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, Kendrick is for sure going to be on a drill beat. I think Kendrick, here's what I think this album is going to be. I just came up with a good prediction. I think it's going to be basically two sides of rap where it's going to be like one half is going to be probably rock or jazz influenced, like very musically influenced traditional, you know, traditional music instruments and shit. And then it's going to be 
like the latest trends in rap music right now. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if the first single is either a drill beat or like a southern style like trap beat, like similar to Moneybag Yo and Big 30 and ESCG 42 Dog, like that kind of trap. I could definitely Kendrick, I could definitely see Kendrick in one of those beats, like Florida rap. I don't know. For whatever reason, I'm getting this picture in my head right now where it's going to be those two sides, which Kendrick already does already, the duality. I think there's going to be two very distinct rap sounds that he's going to try to weave in and create some sort of narrative from. I think because even if you look at Damn, Damn already saw Kendrick going in, in a more mainstream direction in terms of music like that love song was Zakari was like just a straight up 80s hinged tinged I think it's a word tinged like rap music or like R&B you know humble was like a hard-hitting trap song DNA one of the hardest trap songs probably ever like he already shows that he can do that and he probably will do that with those real bangers I think he's gonna take it off uh, take it up a notch even more so with this album in terms of the trendy side like, I can see him going more trendy, but sim simultaneously going even more conceptual and, like, weird musically. That's my overall prediction for what this Kendrick album is going to be. I think it's going to be both very modern trap beats and modern trap uh, trap and rap trends, but also, like, almost, yeah, like, To Pimp a Butterfly, like, Triple X on that damn album. Like, that. Those two very separate sounds coming together to s form some sort of narrative and you know what's interesting like i remember before damn came out kendrick definitely told us what the album was kind of going to be about he said it was just going to be about god and him finding god and exploring god and that's exactly what that album is it's about like his belief through all this shit that he has to go through but he hasn't given us any hints even thematically about what this album is going to be like, except for the title, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, which is such a weird album title, but I love it. I think it's, it's good. Yeah, but that's my prediction for what this album is going to sound like. Again, I know I'm going to be completely wrong, but it's fun to speculate, especially with Kendrick, because you never know what the fuck he's going to give us. All right. The next topic I want to talk about is Mike Tyson punching a fan. <laughs> like what a wild title the fact that this is a title like this is a real thing and this guy's alive it's kind of a miracle to be honest with you like how is he how is this guy still alive like you hear those jokes all the time of people being like would you get punched by mike tyson for a million dollars people are like well i won't be able to see the money because they'll be dead well this guy actually lived it that's fucking nuts this like little white young annoying kid and I'm going to watch a video too, because I haven't fully seen the video with audio. Like, I don't know what the fuck the fan was doing to agitate him so much, but I do want to see it because that's crazy. Like Mike Tyson punching anybody, any regular person in the face should be like a manslaughter case. Like, I don't know. Like it shouldn't be just like, oh, we'll move on, briefly move on. No charges are going to be you know, press for whatever reason, this feels like it should be a bigger deal, bigger deal than it is, but whatever. Let's see what the fuck this fan did. What the fuck already? I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's standing up on the plane over 
Mike Tyson's head. Like, pointing and, like, talking, like, what the fuck? Bro, already this guy would get punched by anybody if he's doing this. Let alone Mike Tyson. What the fuck? Crazy, bro, Mike Tyson. <laughs> My dog done got lit, man. He over here rapping with Tyson. Mike Tyson trying to give us some shrooms. <laughs> Yo. See, this is why people hate fame. They're like, a lot of famous people are like, you don't want fame, y'all. Because, like, imagine you're just trying to relax and be on a plane and go somewhere. And behind you, there's this fucking white kid just bothering you the whole time. Also, I just got to ask this. Why the fuck is Mike Tyson in the same area as these guys? Like, maybe, I guess Mike Tyson just doesn't want to, you know, fly first class or some shit. He, you know, he's a humble guy. But yeah, this feels kind of wild. Like, why the fuck is he... What? How are these two people? Well, shout out to Mike Tyson. Maybe he's just not a, 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 an elitist like I'm sounding right now. But if I had the money to avoid people like this, I would fucking do it in a heartbeat. If I could just fly first class and I had the money for it and I could afford it, I'm going to do it. Because this is what happens when you don't. You don't know how to act. Tyson looking out, man. This shit crazy. He should have never gave you his money. What? What does that even mean? I think, are they saying basically that they shouldn't be on there? Maybe this is first class and this annoying guy just somehow got, you know, got in it. I think that might be what it is. Also, we got to mention the friend that's recording him. He's egging him on for sure. And this could be an even bigger topic about just people performing in front of the cameras just because there's an audience in front of them or just because there's a, there's something recording them. Like, I bet you this guy felt emboldened to do all this shit because his friend was filming too he's like performing you know he's being recorded so now he's gonna be like yeah i'm gonna turn it up to 11 i bet you that happens because th that happens with anybody if you put a camera in front of them like nobody acts the same as they typically would act with a camera in front of them believe me i'm doing it right now i'm not this exaggerated in real life but i have to be entertaining because there's a fucking camera lens staring at me right now hey, hey, <laughs> Hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Yo. Let's stop that. Let's lose the horse, man. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This is, wait, what? Bro, see, I saw this part, and I was just like, how is he alive? And what is he punching? And how? what is he doing? Look at that. That's terrifying. Like, I'm looking at Mike Tyson just, like, punching at something. It's not even, like, full punches. It's almost, like, short uppercuts or something, but... That's fucking terrifying. When I first saw this video, I was just like, I saw that part and I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? Those seem like real punches. But the guy's alive. So what the fuck is going on? I don't know what it is. Actually, now that I'm seeing it now, it looks like real punches, but it almost looks like I'm not trying to kill you punches. But even my soft punches are going to get you fucked up. That's what it looks like to me. And, and think about this too, man. Mike Tyson has been in so many interviews, so many podcasts, like talking about how he wants to relax and not be this aggressive monster that he's always been his entire life. So imagine you being the guy that brings that animosity out of Mike Tyson, the guy who's been trying to fucking meditate and take shrooms and shit and like lick the toad of like infinite wisdom or whatever for years now. 
And you're the guy that gets him out of his, like, comfort zone. That's actually quite an accomplishment. I would actually maybe brag about that. I would be like, hey, guys, I was the guy that made Mike Tyson be violent outside of the ring, you know, for the first time in a very long time. You had to admire how annoying I am. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Hey, who's the guy? There's like a guy that's like trying to like protect him. I don't know. Like, is that the guy he's punching? I'm trying to like, let me see this again. Hey, 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 hey. No. Yeah. So he's punching somebody in the face, but there's somebody who's like, oh, maybe the, the guy sitting next to him is trying to like protect him. Like, chill, Mike. Don't hit him. Chill, Mike. Regardless, he's punching at something. All right. And the guy with the camera is like, yo, chill, chill, bro. Chill. Don't, don't hit him. Even though I was just egging him on. To do this to you, don't, don't do it, bro. Hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Let's go stop that. <laughs> hey, Mike, Mike, Mike. Hold on, hold on, Mike. Come on, chill, Mike. Shut the fuck up. You were part of the problem, dude. JetBlue, yeah. Mint Flight. Damn. We just got beat up by Mike Tyson. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, that's, that's fucking, that's comedy right there. Hear this, hear this. JetBlue, Mint Flight. Boy just got beat up by Mike Tyson. <laughs> Yo, imagine just saying that sentence, bro. That's hilarious. That's an old timer quote. My boy just got hit by Mike Tyson. Let me hear that again. Jet Blue, Mint Flight. Boy just got beat up by Mike Tyson. <laughs> My boy just got beat up by Mike Tyson. That's fucking hilarious. I love that. That's great. Yeah, he did. See, he looks fine in this. This is why why I'm confused. Like, how can a Mike punch not break your skull he looks fine yeah like he's bloody but it's like but he does look like very <laughs> he looks very disappointed turn that way yeah he got f***ed up <laughs> i would be laughing my ass off if my friend got beat up on mike tyson i think i would all right that's all i mean that's all i really gotta say about that just don't fuck mike tyson that doesn't seem like that hard of a thing to do maybe it's just a lot of these younger kids don't actually know the Mike Tyson that bit someone's ear off. Because if you knew that, then you wouldn't be scared. But that's the thing. Newer generations forget. That's why a lot of gen younger generations is like, nah, LeBron James, that's a goat. Because they didn't see Michael Jordan. Like, old shit just get washed away and only the old people remember. And it becomes history. History is history for a reason. Not everybody knows or learns or studies history. So, you know, that makes sense that a lot of younger people don't know not to fuck with Mike. But hopefully... More younger people know not to fuck with Mike. All right. And the last topic I want to talk about, I want to do a quick little review or maybe not so quick. Just, I want to talk about the Northman, Robert Egger, Robert Eggers latest film. Um, I re I just recently saw it a couple of days ago and I loved it. And I was actually shocked by how much I loved it because I haven't seen the witch, but I know of it. And it has his reputation as one of the best horror movies of all time. At this point, it definitely is considered like that. And then I saw the lighthouse in the theaters. One of the wildest experiences ever. I ended up doing like a review with my friend Dion about it. And we kind of went in deep talking about it. And it was such a strange movie. I didn't really, to this day, I don't love it, but it's like, it's impressive. It was, it's, it's such a weird movie that I didn't really love it. It didn't really hit me, but it was so impressive that I have to acknowledge it as a great movie. But now the Northman is actually the first movie from Robert Eggers, Robert Eggers, where I do love it. And it's because a thing that a lot of people are criticizing this movie for, and it's because it feels less weird 
than a typical Robert Eggers movie feels. But I think in this case, it actually helped it, I think, especially for the type of story and the type of movie this is, right? So just to explain a little bit about it, The Northman is just, you know, a very simple revenge story with Amleth, played by Alexander Skarsgård, who is actually the inspiration from Hamlet. Obviously, you you hear the similarities there, Amleth, Hamlet. This guy's story is what Hamlet was based on. And so it's just a basic, you know, revenge stories like young prince, dad gets killed by his brother, and now he has to get a revenge. It's very simple, but there's actually a lot going on in terms of story that is interesting that I don't want to get too much into, but there's definitely a lot of interesting shit in there. But I think the biggest reason why I love this movie so much is because the world it creates, I was like halfway through the movie, just like in my seat, leaned all the way back in an AMC theater right after Nicole Kidman just told me somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this. He said that I got comfortable in my seat and I started watching this movie and I felt so cozy dog. The closest thing I can relate this movie experience to was when I was watching Dune. Whenever a filmmaker can make you feel so engrossed in a world that you feel like you're just in the world now and you're just seeing the events, I think that's actually a very big achievement. And I think Robert Eggers did that to the point where I'm like, now I understand the hype with Robert Eggers. Like I've always understood it. Like a lot of people always bring Robert Eggers as like one of those guys, like one of those guys from this generation of filmmakers who's fucking good. Right. And I've always felt like, yeah, yeah, he's good. But it, like, I didn't acknowledge that. But now I do. Now he's like, he's really put himself in a room of his own, almost as a director. It's almost like the way he makes movies and the way his movies look, it does feel like old school movies, you know, which I tend to rebel against because they're old is, you know, I don't, I don't have that connection that a lot of older people have. But I think the thing that's cool about Robert Eggers is that he takes kind of that old school approach of making movies, but also injects it with like youthful energy and like cool, fuck how you do this. You know, that's how you used to do your shit. That's cool. I'm going to do it my fucking way, which is what I love from filmmakers. And I think that came through perfectly in this movie. A lot of the choices that he makes are so inspired. And I was seeing, like, I saw an ad recently for this movie that was calling it like, you know, from the visionary mind of Robert Eggers. And I think that's actually a very appropriate title. And I think that's why this movie stand out, stands out so much to me. It's because I can see that, yeah, wow. Yeah, Robert Eggers really is like this kind of genius, like visionary. So like now he certainly put himself up into like one of the best filmmakers happening right now. And I love the crop of just young filmmakers coming in and like doing whatever the fuck they want and doing it well. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, everything, everywhere, all at once came out. And the Daniels, you know, they fucking smashed that shit as well. So I love, to be honest, what I love is that I decided to really get into movies again this year. And right as I do that, all these amazing movies started to come out, like back to back to back to back. It's kind of cool. It feels kind of great. I think this year is going to be great for movies and for music, too. But for movies, like, bro, we still have an Ari Aster movie to come out. And a Jordan Peele movie to come out. Two other filmmakers that I think definitely belong in the Robert Eggers tier. Like one day I kind of want to do that. I want to be of like the late, the new filmmakers out right now that have been coming out with their second and third movies. I want to do like a tier list of like who's in this tier 
who's in this tier. I think I'll call it the Robert Eggers tier just because this is the movie I'm talking about. Is this movie like who's in the Robert Eggers tier? Like obviously Robert Eggers, Jordan Peele, Ari Aster. I think I have to include the Daniels in there because yeah, I just have to. I I, I just loved everything everywhere all at once, even though it's very different from what Robert Eggers sort of like Jordan Peele do. Is very different, but still, I think their craftsmanship is enough to include them here. And I'm trying to think who else. Sean Baker, who did The Florida Project and Red Rocket. I think he might have to go in there, even though I haven't seen neither of those movies. But the way people talk about him, it's like, yeah, he's one of those. So, yeah, that's just my kind of quick review about the Northmen. I, you know, I didn't go as in-depth as I could as it could have but you just gotta know it's incredible it's very fucking violent there's a lot of reveals in this movie that i did not see coming atmosphere is amazing i felt like i could have seen this movie for a good like 30 more minutes like this movie could have been easily like three hours and i would have been fine like halfway through the movie i was just like man i want to keep living in this world even longer like i could take like a whole hour more of just all this shit that's happening because it's so well done and you're just so invested in the world i need taylor joy I have a huge crush on, and I was, I'll be honest, I was disappointed when I saw that she was 26. Like, fuck. Could that still work? A four-year gap between me and her? I'm 22, she's 26? Maybe. There's been bigger gaps from bigger celebrities, so maybe I have a chance. But I was disappointed she wasn't like 24 or something. And this movie's actually very nuanced in terms of the story it is telling and also the themes of like, revenge what is revenge you know who's a good guy who's a bad guy perspectives there's a lot to go in here but i'm not gonna go into all of it just i just want to talk about it and like honestly just recommend it it's like go watch it because also this being a more mainstream i mean it costs 90 million so they had to make it a little bit more mainstream and i think it does feel like a movie that a lot of people can go and see they might not completely love it but there's a lot of incredible action in this movie that i think is definitely worth seeing if not for that alone so yeah that was just my quick review about the northman definitely puts robert eggers in the forefront of my mind in terms of like them ones you know what i mean like the one of those directors that like 40 years from now people are gonna talk about like i think he's definitely on on track to be one of the greatest filmmakers of all time because all his movies are kind of so similarly done he's so exact with the way that he makes his movies that I just feel like every single movie he makes is going to be just as good because he's treating it all the same way. And he has a very clear vision for his movies. All right. And before I end the podcast, I want to do this segment again. The segment I did last week, Empty Picks. The Empty Pick for this week is going to be a movie that came out a couple of weeks ago in theaters. It's already now on VOD, so you can rent it or whatever. Uh, It is Ty West's latest horror movie, X. Ty West, apparently one of those like horror filmmakers that a lot of horror fans know just from name alone. He's back after making a bunch of just shows and directing a bunch of shows. He's back into making movies and you could tell that experience with TV shows helped his next movie because this movie actually surprised me with how much I loved it and how fucking good it is from a craftsmanship level like everything about it just again is that confidence that i love when filmmakers have i talked about it just now with robert eggers ty west has that obviously based on the title this movie is just about like a bunch of like young people that are recording a porno in the 70s and go to this random cabin to do it 
and obviously they start dying. That's what happens in these horror movies. But the way that Ty West did it, and I think a lot of the themes that he talks about definitely has more meat on the bones like your typical like Scream or Halloween, where it's just like pure carnage. I think there's a lot more to say in this movie about just aging, how porn and horror movies are very similar, what religion does to these young individuals. Like there's a lot of great themes in this movie that will definitely stay in your mind way past the horrific imagery, which would also stick with you because I mean, I don't think anybody wants to see eyes popping out of their skulls. So you'll remember this movie for that, but you'll also remember it for the great themes. So yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Make sure you're very specific when you look it up on Google though, because if you just put X movie, you're going to get a porn. I'm just warning you guys right now. But yeah, that's my very quick empty pick for this week. Ty West's latest horror movie X is on VOD, so please check it out. But yeah, that's going to be it for that empty pick. That's the empty pick of the week. And that's going to be it for this podcast, for this episode 171 of the Empty Opinions Podcast with your host, Lottie Polanco. The way I'm going to end this episode is the same way I end every episode is by playing an outro song. The song I'm going to be playing is a song from L. Hay. I don't know how to pronounce his name. L.A. It's just E-L-A-E-E-L-H-A-E, -E -E, which recently I found out stands for Every Life Has an Ending, which is a weird name for an R&B artist. But he's wrapped a new song called FYF, another acronym. Fuck your friends. That's what it stands for. And I don't know why I'm obsessed with this song. Like... I don't know if it's like the most well-made song, but there's something about it. I think it's a sample used in this song. Something very sticky. That's the best way I can describe it. And I love me some good LA music and also some great R&B music. So it works out. But yeah, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And I'll catch you guys next week. Maybe with a guest. Maybe not. Either way is going to be fine. Thank you. Since when I want to know what above you Every time I think about it I just want to trust what sense when When was it a crime to love you? I want to know what above sense what 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 sense
How you gon' let them tell you about your man? Yeah, yeah. Say, so fuck your friends. Truth be told, they tryna fuck your man. 